The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We took a short break from uh, dissecting, dismantling, and analyzing the military side of technocratic transhumanism. And don't worry, because we are about to jump right back into that, folks. We had to take a break to conduct that interview with David Carpenter. Uh, I hope you guys appreciated that. I'm trying to branch out a little and get some different guests on here and whether I necessarily agree with the technology that certain of these uh, guests are involved with or not doesn't really matter. Uh, I think what that interview did was give you an inside look at what players in the live entertainment sector are doing. And David seemed to be someone, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, it's not like I have a relationship with him, I only talked to him for about two minutes before we recorded the interview, but he seems to be someone that, as an entrepreneur, he recognizes that the entertainment sector is moving in the direction of technology and as he stated you know those that tried to battle the smartphone always lost the battle and so he is embracing the technology and i think at the same time trying to figure out how to sort of fuse it with live entertainment to save live entertainment and as i've explained i came out of that world and it would be a shame to see live entertainment go away i mean it is such a rush uh, I was on the production end, and I was also on the performance end for a while, but it is such a rush to go out on stage and to perform in front of a live audience, especially comedy, uh, but I've also produced uh, live musical entertainment as well, but to see the audience reacting in real time to the performance that you're putting on or the performance that you produced or the comedy that you wrote. Uh, I used to write a lot of the scripts for the comedians I managed, and it's uh, fascinating. So I see him as someone who is really trying to embrace the technology, create this interactive engagement uh, piece to live entertainment that will hopefully keep live entertainment up on stage with real people and not force it into the metaverse. At the end of the day, you decide, but I think it was important to kind of step outside of our little box here and invite someone in from the outside world to explain what they're doing. If it were my wish, technology wouldn't exist in, in any of this stuff. But unfortunately, as we've said here, it's real. It's coming. It's right in front of us. The fourth industrial revolution is here, as you've seen it uh, in all of the different examples we've given on the show. And so it's up to us to decide how much of this stuff we're willing to embrace or accept or allow into our own lives. And each of us will make 
separate independent decisions on how much we're willing to deal with and how much we're willing to interact with. And so that's okay. That's what makes us individuals. I just wanted to say today I reached out to a former uh, colleague of mine, Magdalene Rose, Uh, She's got a fairly big Twitter account. She has been producing content for uh, several years now. She is a young conservative. She speaks to a younger audience, uh, generally uh, religious right, uh, but she stays out of the grifter circles. And so I want to try to reach a younger audience with this information. And I'm starting to think about this. I told you we're working on a book concept with another uh, former colleague of mine. And I'm also starting to utilize some additional platforms. I tweeted it out at Hackable Animal and at Dustin Gold Show, a platform called Wisdom. I'm not sure if we're going to use it. It all depends if you guys gravitate to it or not. But basically what it allows me to do is you can ask a question in text format. And I believe you can do it anonymously. I don't think you have to join the platform. Um, and if you do, I, I think it's free. I don't know a lot about them. It's a new piece of technology. Um, I started looking into solutions to be able to do live shows with you guys calling in. And the older solution I used to use just costs a lot of money. It would cost me about 30 or $40 a show to run that software right now. And this show is not in a position to spend 30 to $40 per show right now. Um, So that platform, Wisdom, would, one, allow you to ask me a question in text format, and then I'll answer you back in a 60-second piece of audio, and then I can use those on the show. I haven't tried it yet. I mean, I did answer a few questions over there. Uh, Again, you can check that out. I tweeted it out. And then the other part is that I will be able to run a live show, audio show, on that platform and i'll be able to invite you in as guests to ask questions or we can have in-depth discussions uh, and people can listen live on there as well and then i can actually take that content i'll own it which is a good thing because a lot of these platforms trick you into using it and then steal your content but i'll own that and then i'll be able to run those discussions as uh, podcasts on the ad free side so if i think they're really Uh, entertaining and enlightening and people want to listen to them and they're going to learn from what you guys share with me or the discussions we have, then I'll be able to play those publicly. So that is something uh, I'm toying around with. And um, hopefully I'll be able to reach some younger people on there. And again, we're working on the book idea, but then I'm also trying to figure out how to turn this kind of content into an entertaining, enlightening format in sort of 30-minute chunks uh, with more graphics and build sort of a mini masterclass aimed towards younger folks, uh, college folks, and even younger generally people that are probably homeschooling their children to talk about 
where technology is, where it came from, where it's going, uh, because these are the kids we really need to wake up. I mean, you and I sit here and we know where we stand on this, but how are we going to wake up the younger folks and make them aware of the world that they are living in and what they are being driven into that they are literally being loaded onto the technocratic cattle car and driven down the train tracks into the Auschwitz prison planet matrix. And so I'm trying to work this stuff out while the baby's on the way. Obviously, I have a hundred ideas, but I'm really trying to uh, figure this out and figure out how we can reach younger folks. All right, so that's that. One of the ways that you can help is by. Um, joining us at pain.tv slash gold. Join the discussion over there. Get the ad-free video version of the podcast uh, as well as the ad-free video version of the Thomas Payne podcast. So thank you to everyone that has joined over there. Also, please continue to leave five-star reviews and comments at Apple Podcasts. It's really helping because the show numbers are growing. I got a chance to look at those in the last couple days, and wow, I mean, it's pretty much doubled in the last uh, 15 days. I think it's tripled or quadrupled in the last 30 days. So people are listening, which is fantastic. I appreciate that very much. And then if you want to discuss stuff with me, you could join us at the Telegram account, which I'll admit I haven't been using regularly, but I try to reply to people when they uh, talk to me on there. Eventually, I'll have um, a friend of mine helping with that, hopefully soon. And that's over at um, Telegram, at Dustin Gold Show. And then also at Twitter, at Hackable Animal, or at Dustin Gold Show. And I do have a Facebook page at Dustin Gold Show, but I have not used that yet. I just hate Facebook, but I know it's important to be there, so we'll eventually figure that out. And then we haven't started uploading the uh, video versions of this show to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, Shoot, or these other platforms yet. I just know once we start, we have to keep it consistent. And with the baby almost here, I don't know if I have time to... Um, you know, the hour, two hours a day it's going to take to manage that. So right now, you can continue to get the show at uh, pain.tv slash gold or uh, on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast players. So anyway, this uh, Magdalene Rose, she speaks to a younger audience, uh, generally Christian right. She's very pro-life. And so I reached out to her. Uh, she has come on as a guest on other shows I used to produce and has had some of those hosts on her show. And so I met her years ago through Maria Albanese, the co-host on Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. And so I said to Magdalene Rose, listen, I'm 50 episodes into this new podcast I put together and we are focusing on dismantling and dissecting the technocratic transhumanist agenda. And you may not be fully aware of this, but you are very pro-life. And this is the biggest anti-life movement that has ever existed on the face of this earth. This is the engineering of humanity out of existence. I don't know your feeling on Peter Thiel uh, being in and around MAGA, but Peter Thiel has said openly that transhumanism and Christianity are similar as they both offer immortality they both offer eternal life and so we need to try to make these younger people aware of technocratic transhumanism 
We need to try to speak to the religious right. We need to reach out to the pro-lifers, and we need to tell them about this movement and show them that it's real. But we need to do it in a way that is not going to normalize them to this content. It is not going to be part of desensitizing people to it we need to make them aware of the government involvement uh we need to make them aware of the players like elon musk peter thiel and the rest we need to make them aware of the investors behind this and we need them to make them aware that this is a movement to completely engineer humanity out of existence and it's not being run by just a bunch of quacks and a bunch of eccentric billionaire weirdos that our own government is actually behind this okay and so you can continue to talk about politics and electing republicans or trying to get better conservative candidates for the republican party i mean i know people are going to be involved with that but at the end of the day folks these transhumanist monsters are at our doorstep and to me at least this is the most pressing matter of our time because this decides the future of humanity so magdalene is going to come on the show which is i think is fantastic i'm really happy that she's committed to that and so that will be sometime in the next couple of days. And then I am in the process of working on another guest who is uh, sort of an expert in homeopathy. And we are using some of that, my wife and I, for the upcoming birth. And so this woman, I know through our midwifery, she had three home births and has been using homeopathy for the last 12 years and then the last year actually started taking courses and is getting ready to put together some kind of a consulting company on homeopathy and so she's been coaching my wife for free Uh, i think she was just excited to meet some people who were interested enough in it to reach out to her and were quickly becoming friends with her and her husband so that's going to be fantastic when i bring her on um wealth of knowledge and that falls right into what we talk about here how to live one foot in and one foot out of the matrix obviously when you're here listening to the show we're technically one foot in the matrix but then eventually as we've been talking about over at pain.tv slash gold and over on twitter a lot of people are talking about how they're escaping the matrix how they go to the beach how they go to the mountains how they go for hikes and these are ways that you can unplug from the matrix i mean they're just little ways you can do it but we've also talked about getting rid of the smart devices downloading up your uh, don't load up your kid's room with truman show technology and so these are the ways that we begin to fight back in our personal lives if we can't beat the entire system we can at least start to start to do this in our lives and say no just say no to the technology push it out as much as possible while we figure out how we're going to spread the word and wake up more people to this natural life uh, movement that is quickly growing but just growing vegetables in the backyard or just saying no to the technology isn't going to be enough at the end of the day i mean people have to understand why they're doing that they have to understand what these monsters are doing so when we get back folks we are going to jump right back in to the world economic forum piece that we started on in episode 49 we ended with that and so i'm going to 
finish that up because it's very important. And then we're getting right back into Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Dulius, and we're going to finish up that podcast today so we can move on. There's some very, very important elements in there. You're going to learn a lot from the rest of that podcast so hang with me folks it's going to be wild ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, folks, it's time to get pumped up. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, if you remember, if you remember, we were looking at this May... 2022 conference at the World Economic Forum focused on the industrial metaverse. And so there were three important clips I pulled from this. I'm going to roll this back and actually replay the clip that we had at the end of episode 49 just to catch you back up because I know I distracted you with the interview that we conducted for episode 50. And so we are listening to here uh, Pekka Lundmark. He's president and chief executive officer of Nokia. And it says, with almost 20 years as CEO, Pekka has accrued deep expertise in the telecommunications, technology, energy, machinery, and finance sectors, all of which are central to the transition into the fourth industrial revolution. Did you get that, folks? I didn't show you this before, (laughs) but right on this guy's bio, Pekka Lundmark, on Nokia.com, okay, on the company's website, in the first sentence and first paragraph of his bio, it says he has 20 years of experience in all these different fields, from telecom to technology, energy, machinery, and finance, all central to the transition into the fourth industrial revolution. Do you understand? Right? So he's not shying away from that, folks. It says right here, Pekka was appointed as Nokia CEO on August 1st, 2022. He has put in place a new operating model for the company and positioned Nokia as a trusted partner for critical networks around the world. These critical networks are advanced systems of hardware and software that run mission-critical services for companies and societies. They are central to PECA's passionately held belief that technology and connectivity can and should help industries and societies improve productivity and sustainability, as well as create new opportunities, folks. So you understand who uh, PECA is here, right? So let's go over to the video. And again, I'm going to replay this. Uh, This was the first clip of three that I have. And if you remember, we watched Tony Stark, a.k.a. Elon Musk, roll out the Optimus robot. And you were seeing in the video, if you're over here at pain.tv slash gold, you were seeing a view from the robot's eyes 
where the robot is using the same supposedly the same technology that the tesla car is using to create a real-time 3d rendering of its environment and so you saw that through the robot's eyes it looked like um you know uh you know it's a 3d model basically if you've ever used cad design software or you've ever played minecraft or roblox um and i won't get mad at you if you have folks we have to understand what we're fighting but um you were able to see that for the robot's eyes so pekka lundmark and these guys on this council talk about this a little bit basically that there is a digital world you know which will eventually be the metaverse and then the physical world that we live in right now and there will be a duplicate of the physical world inside the digital world so let's play that for you now and then we're going to get into the other two clips which are very important super cool all right let's talk about the industrial metaverse because 24 minutes ago i said i was going to just have a slight diversion and then bring you back what is the industrial metaverse and do you have legs in <laughs> industrial metaverse is actually an industrial version of what, what we what we just heard so to make it make it very simple on the consumer side i mean you have all these augmented reality things and that that we are that we are working on on the industrial side it means that that first of all everything that makes sense to connect will be connected but not only that there will be a physical world and then there will be a digital world there okay so let me just say he says everything that will be connected uh, or that makes sense to connect will be connected and so i mentioned this in episode 49 i'll just reiterate that is referring to the internet of things and the internet of bodies right and we reviewed those in depth on this show over several episodes so everything will be connected internet of things or all of the smart devices out there from the street lights uh to your microwave uh and then the internet of bodies in this iteration are the wearables like the smartwatch or the fitbit uh all the way to what will eventually be a brain chip implanted in the back of your head and now he's saying there will be a physical world and a digital world. Let's continue. We'll be pretty much a digital twin of everything out there on the industrial side. And what that has. And there will be a digital twin of Bruce Willis. Uh-huh. And uh, let me just bring up something uh, that I forgot to mention in there uh, when I talked about the Bruce Willis situation. Remember when I showed you uh, Lars Butler and the Artificial Intelligence Foundation? And I brought up a point after I showed you the mind-twinning software that potentially the company Cameo.com, where you could purchase for you know, $100 up to $500 a customized birthday video from a celebrity. You For $1,500, you could have Donald Trump Jr. appear on your Zoom business meeting. And so I said, why would these people worth millions and billions of dollars sell birthday videos for $100? That maybe there was a deal made where all of those are actually deepfake digital twins that are run on just sort of an AI backbone and that those aren't real videos of the actors. And I had told you that Ari Emanuel, one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, who was Donald Trump's agent, 
for The Apprentice and such. His brother is Ari Emanuel, who was Barack Obama's, I'm sorry, Rahm Emanuel, who was Barack Obama's chief of staff and mayor of Chicago. And his other brother is Ezekiel Emanuel, who was credited with writing Obamacare. And so I showed you that his company, Endeavor, which is William Morris Endeavor, invested into Lars Butler and the Artificial Intelligence Foundation. And I said maybe there was a deal made to license the rights to all of these actors and turn them into deep fake mind twins. And so then all of a sudden now we see the Bruce Willis story come out. Now popularizing, normalizing, desensitizing people to the idea of digital twins. And so at the end of the day, if they can convince through this propaganda, if they can convince people that the digital twin is just an extension of the real personality, the real person, because it is licensed by them, then would people, let's say, that bought these cameo videos thinking they got a real video of you know, Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond for $150, would they really be upset if they found out it was a deep fake as long as they knew that it was licensed by the actor and that the actor was paid, uh, compensated uh, for the use of his image in the form of a deep fake digital twin? You know, it's complex stuff, but to, to believe that it's not out there already is to be very naive. You know, I think the Bruce Willis story is just one of many that you were about to see be rolled out into the public in the coming weeks, months, and years. I actually think what's starting to happen right now as terms like digital twin are going to be turned into a household phrase entering the lexicon and then eventually becoming part of the zeitgeist. Uh, And then you also have at the same time certain influencers and conservative media personalities, some of the doctors that came out of the frontline sort of movement, um, sort of halfway sponsored by Steve Bannon. You're going to start to see the talk of transhumanism. I'm starting to see it already. You guys are sending me articles and video clips now of certain conservative personalities talking about it. Well, the issue is that once this reaches, uh, say, Tucker Carlson, then it pretty much means that the job has already been done and it's safe for them to talk about it. Uh, But in the meantime, you're not going to see anyone, I don't believe, talk about this stuff in an in-depth way format like we do over here breaking down the investors the players the governments and everything else behind the technocratic transhumanist movement so what i fear is happening and i've uh, spoken to some of you guys on the record off the record in direct messages or whatever that i see what's coming is the beginning of the des- desensitization uh, uh, desensitizing of this information to people And they'll do that by talking about it, but not really giving you the truth. And then what will eventually happen is that transhumanism, anti-humanism, the engineering of humanity out of existence, because it won't be talked about properly, it'll just be sort of assigned to goofballs like Elon Musk or a couple of creeps inside the government, rather than saying that the entire state is behind it, funding it, and endorsing it. 
is that it will just become an issue like, you know, gay marriage or an issue like taxes or an issue like building the wall. And then eventually it'll just fizzle out and people will just accept it. I mean, yes, to some, and I've talked about this with Maria Albanese, it won't necessarily be normal. But when I talk about normalized, I don't mean that everyone has to accept something as normal. It just means that it is now just a normal part of our society. Um, You know, drag queen story hour is not normal to me. It's not normal probably to most of you. But at the end of the day, it's part of society now. And it's just become a political issue a political football. And the danger that we're facing right now is that if transhumanism just becomes a political issue, then we're going to have debates on the floor of Congress over whether or not we should be engineering humanity out of existence. And you know anything that these guys try to make normal, try to turn into part of the lexicon and push into the zeitgeist, then we end up just losing we accept it we go oh well we lost that one let's go back to the wall i guess uh i guess humans are going to be engineered out of existence what about that wall can we get the wall built or what and so that's what i fear we're seeing and so you'll see this happen through these personalities talking about it the influencers talking about it and then you'll see this happening through stories like the bruce willis thing you'll see digital twin and the next thing you know they'll say they've got a digital twin of elvis and they have a digital twin of johnny cash or whatever and then before you know it you go okay the digital twin is an extension of the real person and now you accept this blend of the physical digital world and that they are essentially the same thing they're in unison it's it's a utopia of the two or as the fourth industrial revolution stands for the merger of the physical the biological and the digital so a merger of the three so one of the things that i recommend folks is that if you have friends or family now that this stuff is on your radar if you've been listening to the show if you haven't listened to all the episodes i recommend going back and doing so as you can listen to them at any time they're pretty much evergreen because i don't really do daily news but if you have a solid understanding of this and now you start to hear people in your life discussing it they heard steve bannon mention it they heard dr robert malone mention it they heard so and so mention it then you could say listen go check out the dust and gold standard i'm part of that community join pain.tv slash gold or join the telegram or follow him on twitter because if you listen to him he's going to explain this in depth to you so that you don't just think this is another goofy political topic this is real there are actually people meeting every day and planning to engineer humanity out of existence this is no joke this isn't just elon musk getting up on stage and goofing around that guy is a government oligarch he's funded by the government and he's put out on stage by the government the state in cooperation with the international state you know at the global scale is actively working to engineer all of us out of existence there is really 
no way that you can debate it if you listen to the show and you see everything this body of work that we're building here you see that it's coming from the government from the investors from their cutouts from silicon valley from the techno uh, technocrats from everyday people are now just on board with this idea of merging man and machine when we get back we're going to finish up this world economic forum stuff and then jump right back into dr peter emmanuel ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold, where seven days a week, two hours a day, we are exposing, we are dissecting, we are analyzing the technocratic transhumanists and their mission to dismantle humanity. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to jump right back into this video. I rolled it back a few seconds. Let's listen to Pekka Lundmark at the World Economic Forum. Again, this is from May 2022. On, on the industrial side, it means that, that, first of all, everything that makes sense to connect will be connected. But not only that, there will be a physical world and then there will be a digital world. There will be pretty much a digital twin of everything out there on the industrial side. And what that has mean in practice, it means that a lot of the work that is currently done in the physical world will actually be modeled and sometimes implemented in the digital world. Predictive maintenance has been discussed for a long time, but now with the help of industrial metaverse, that will get significantly more advanced. We will know when the machines will fail, but not only that, the maintenance technicians will have direct real-time access through the digital world into those machines and they will get trained in that world also. Imagine a, what would be a good example, a nuclear power plant maintenance uh, engineer. It's a very complicated environment. That whole training, onboarding, and all of that can be done in the digital world, and they will be able to train all kinds of failure situations with the digital twin before they go actually into the physical world. Okay, let's pause there for a second. I broke all this down for you in episode 49, so I don't want to rehash all of it and bore you to death, but what he is talking about, oh, sorry, folks, my, something froze up there for a second. I said that uh, we went over all this in episode 49, so I don't really want to rehash this uh, all over again for you and bore you to death. But what Pekka is talking about there is this concept of the industrial metaverse. And he's saying that pretty much everything in the industrial world will also have a digital twin. And therefore, you will be able to put on some sort of virtual reality headset and go inside of the metaverse to see a complete duplicate of the real world that we live in and that they are going to do all of the training for certain tasks working in factories working in the nuclear uh, power plant as he says uh, inside of this 
metaverse and he's going to get into how they can actually use the robots to go out there basically like elon musk's uh, optimist to go out and um you know fix things in the factory and the human can control it inside of the metaverse and folks that's totally bogus that is the bridge that is the bridge so first they have to sell people on this idea that this is a good thing this is about safety this is about protecting you looking out for you and if they can sell us on that idea as they're building us you see where this is going okay why would they even need a human inside of a metaverse to be trained in the metaverse to then go out and work in the real world. And if they're going to then replace the human in the real world with a robot, why would they even need a human inside the metaverse to control the robot out in the real world? It'll just end up being autonomous robots. It's so obvious to see. So the human is going to be used to train its replacement. And let's put this into context. You remember in the Lars Butler series on Artificial Intelligence Foundation, I showed you all of my personal emails with Robert Mallory at the Artificial Intelligence Foundation when they were trying to hire one of my voice actors to help train their Barack Obama simulation, their Barack Obama digital twin, mind twin. Okay, but eventually that actor would no longer be needed to control the deep fake video of Barack Obama because, and think of it like a, a digital puppet of Barack Obama, because eventually the goal was to have an artificial intelligence uh, brain behind the deep fake puppet that actually controls it. And so my actor might have gotten paid decent money to help train the system, but then he was training his replacement, which was going to be the artificial intelligence. You remember over the years we've heard all these horror stories uh donald trump for instance he brought out in 2015-16 during the presidential campaign a group of disney animators i believe it was and they talked about how degrading it was to have to train all of these indian h1b visa guys to do their jobs that then they were going to be laid off they were going to be replaced by the people they were training well that's what we are doing they are having you train the artificial intelligence, which will then power the actual physical robot. So my message here, all right, to obviously I talked about the cashiers. I talked about the waiters. I talked about the actors. Each time we hit on one of these industries where the human is going to be replaced by technology, by artificial intelligence, by a robot, is to just say, no, I'm not going to do this. I refuse. You could start to put together many unions within your workforce. You're going to need to do that. The human union, it needs to be called. The human union. And put aside your petty political differences because they are working to replace us. And so when these companies like Nokia here, Pekka Lundmark, right in his bio, saying he supports the fourth industrial revolution, need to start saying, I'm not training a robot to do this. I'm not training artificial intelligence to do this. Get together with your other employees. Your regular traditional union is not going to represent you. They're on board with this stuff. All right. They show up at World Economic Forum also. Those guys, as long as they're getting a golden parachute from somebody, they really don't care what happens to you.
you're going to have to start organizing in your workplace and telling these people, no, I'm not training a robot and I'm not training artificial intelligence. There's no way around this, folks. This is the battle that we face. The battle that we face is right here. And if you go start your own company, like like I've worked for myself for 20 years, been involved with a lot of different industries, um, you can do that. But if you're going to refuse to get on board with the tech, the younger guy starting the same business as you who's a good, uh, competitor is going to be the one chosen for those tasks because the middle management moving into the positions inside the big companies that hire the contractors are going to go with the guy who's using the tech. So the only way to beat this back is to start waking up other people to the fact that they are training their replacement. All right, let's continue. Your power plant fails, it's a disaster, you don't want to go in, radiation is leaking, not a good situation. But you want to prevent that. So Yes, but let's say it happens. Is it conceivable that in the future you will have such a good digital twin that you'll be able to go into the metaverse, into a virtual reality world, turn a dial, pull a switch, feel around, and actually change it in the real oh, abso- plant? Absolutely, absolutely, and this is not, this is not far far off. I mean, the physical and the digital worlds, they will grow together. And the result is exactly what you just said. Okay. The physical and digital worlds will grow together. Do you see that? So as the physical world grows, they'll have the digital copy of everything. Uh, We've talked about this I think with Maria Albanese, I've talked about it on this show. She's brought some of the content that I shared with her over to the Thomas Paine podcast. But we talked about the 3D scanning of the grocery store environments going on. So that eventually what is going to happen is that when there is a shortage of tuna, you know, cans of tuna on the shelf, a robot will come right out of the back and stock the shelf with the tuna. All right, so right now, how are they selling it as they're walking around scanning the stores? They're telling the Instacart grocery shoppers, the grocery shopping service workers, that um, this 3D scan is going to help them inside the app be able to find products better. They're telling the workers at the store that it's going to help them with inventory. It's going to make their job easier to do inventory. Folks, they are being replaced i will tell you right now the woman who was the in-store manager for instacart an instacart employee at this big grocery store wegmans about 15 minutes from me one of the last three family-owned grocery store chains in america was tasked with walking around very nice lady very bright was tasked with walking around and 3d scanning the store and sending the scans over to this israeli tech company that was hired by instacart and she shared some information with me i picked her brain i gave this to marie albanese she talked about it on the thomas Paine podcast before uh, i launched the dust and gold standard and about three weeks after she was finished and she was a manager for instacart so she ran a portion of the store where instacart workers would come in and pick up Instead of shopping the whole order, which is called full service, they would come in and they'd pick up an order that was shopped by an in-store employee of Instacart who would just stay in the store all day and shop. And they would bag up groceries, put them in freezers and coolers and on a shelf. And then a contractor would come in and pick this stuff up and go deliver it. 
That was called the delivery only order. And then she also managed Wegman's employees who would shop orders, bag them up, and then they would be ready in this room. They called staging the order for when the person showed up for curbside pickup, and then they would bring it out to them. Well, about three weeks after she finished scanning the store, Instacart laid her off. Done. Boom. Your job is done, lady. Get out of here. You're being replaced. Thank you for helping us scan the store. We no longer need you. So stop training your replacement. Let's continue. This is now, Nick. I mean, like we work with uh, National Grid, which is a utility company. It's dangerous to send people out there. You have a Boston Dynamics robot with our AI on the back end going to fix power lines. One of the LNG terminals in Australia has uh, robots in there because it's dangerous for humans to go in. And they go in and they'll turn dials. Now, it is, I'll say, augmented. It's not completely autonomous. So the robot is feeding camera signals, other signals back uh, to an operator or an engineer. They're telling the robot what to do. But the AI is also making recommendations of what to do. Okay, so you just heard this guy. This is another man at the World Economic Forum panel discussion. And he just said they're already using the robots in the field. They're not completely autonomous yet, meaning they don't just think for themselves yet. They have a human behind them providing input. But he said the robots can now give input back and make suggestions. But see, once they're completely autonomous then there is no need for the human anymore. Do you see it? We're very close to this. Very, very close, ladies and gentlemen. And once it reaches that point, okay, once it reaches the point in which they fully replace a human with a robot, then the next question is, what happens to the human? And that's where you fall into what Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, has said publicly that humans are going to have to constantly retrain themselves because they will keep being replaced by technology to the point when technology grows exponentially and humans no longer will be needed to which you reach the point that ray kurzweil sort of the modern philosopher of this uh, technocratic transhumanism to the point in which he calls singularity of which peter thiel is behind and is sponsored going back to 2006 which is when the artificial intelligence surpasses the intelligence of humanity in which you reach what they call singularity where humans will have no choice but to merge with artificial intelligence and the machine all right ladies and gentlemen let that sink in i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold, folks. It is not too late to fight back. Just say no to the tech. Don't bring it into your house. 
and just say no to your bosses out there and tell them that you are not going to train your replacement. Look up the CEOs of the companies you work for and see if they're on board with the fourth industrial revolution because if they are then they are not your friend folks they are not your friend all right let's continue with this video here it's going to jump back to pekka lundmark just to bookend where this first discussion started on the industrial metaverse and then we're going to fast forward this to another clip that's very important all right here we go so this is now this seems extremely cool. Okay, it's let's happening get- now, even in the data center space. It's <laughs> augmented reality. We use it all the time to repair systems. So let's talk a little about, Julie mentioned we want to set the rules for the metaverse. We want to set our priorities. We want to get everything right because some people believe that not all the rules have been set exactly correct for the tech sector over the last 10 years with maybe some consequences. What are the choices we need to make now around the metaverse that will affect how it develops in a beneficial way? Anyone can take that. Well, if you build off of the work that was done around AI ethical principles, I think you have a Mm -hmm. starting point. And one of the points that we've spent quite a bit of time on is if you just replicate the world we live in today, we'll recreate and propagate all of the biases that have been built into society. So you need. Okay, so now they're talking about um, the ethics behind building the new metaverse, right? And so we know all about ethics, folks. We're going to get into that shortly from the military side of things, the ethics in developing the cyborg soldier. And so they're going to get into a short discussion here on the ethics, as she said right there. If they just make a duplicate, if the digital world is just a complete twin of the physical world then all of the biases will come into this so we've heard the technocrats the transhumanists talk about this before right so let's just take them at face value let's pretend that they really want to build this new digital world to make it a better place a utopia for all right so she's talking about now engineering the biases out of the physical world as they turn it into the digital world so now the technocrats and the transhumanists the people working to engineer humanity out of existence are now going to form the ethical basis for the inner workings and governance of the metaverse let's give her a few more seconds and i'm going to move over to this uh, other part which i find to be fascinating to include humanists social scientists you need to bring different perspectives and marry that with computer scientists so that you can actually start to ask yourself what are the issues that we need to protect that's one of the core starting points mm-hmm. great okay so again they're getting into the discussion of the ethics behind the metaverse now a question for you i mean seriously folks do you want these people the very people who have declared war on humanity the people talking about developing these autonomous robots that will take the place of the human worker do you want them running the governing council of the metaverse that they want to drive us into i don't i don't want to even go into the metaverse i sure as hell don't want to go into the metaverse if that's where i'm going to be forced if the very engineers scientists ceos and technocratic transhumanists that are working to engineer the real world away are going to be on the governing councils but that ties you right back into elon musk 
one of the biggest fork tongue devils who tells you AI is dangerous, but yet he is the one building it and that everything will be okay, according to Joe Rogan, as long as Elon Musk sits on the governing council that governs the technology that's going to destroy us because Musk will destroy us less than the others, even though he's the guy building it, he should be able to govern it. I mean, you know, do you see, it's just this repeat narrative going on. It's just going on and on and on. It's a cycle. And what's happening, and we're going to show you this through the military side of things shortly, is that there is a normalization campaign that's going on, as I mentioned earlier. But it's even more complex because going back to the 2019 Cyber Soldier document and the uh, 2020 uh, podcast on military.com left a boom featuring these mad scientists. They actually talk about how they are going to have to normalize this idea with the civilian population, that it can't just be the government that is building it. They have to get this out into, you know, the private sector, as you're seeing right here on the World Economic Forum discussion. And you're starting to see coming from some of these pundits and some of these influencers out there, as I mentioned to you, and through entertainment. So they want the military, the state wants to have the public accept it, if not accept it, at least just hear about it and ignore it. Because then... If we don't fight back against it, if we accept it, if we just go, okay, whatever, it's here, 2 plus 2 equals 5, I don't care, then we did not actually fight back against them, and their karma is intact. Their conscience is clear. All right, that's how they look at this, folks. All right, let me move forward to this other clip here. Uh, we'll play it right now. That's then it can't break it. Pekka, are you hardening your industrial systems for future quantum attacks? Okay, so now this is a discussion on sort of quantum computing, and once they reach this certain point, then all the cybersecurity they already developed over the last decade will be rendered useless. Uh, and I am going to review this entire World Economic Forum conference uh, shortly, probably in another five, six episodes. I have a lot more to get through before I come back to this. But it's a very important discussion, and we do have to break the whole thing down for you. But let's continue right here. And this is going back to Pekka Lundmark, the CEO of Nokia. Well, I mean, as I said, security is now inbuilt in everything. And going back to the quantum question, this will be highly relevant for the communications networks uh, as well. Right now, we are all building 5G networks, as we know. But by the time com uh, quantum computing is maturing for commercial applications, we are going to be talking about 6G. And 6G will hit the commercial market around 2030. And as I said earlier, we're going to have a digital twin of everything, and that's going to require massive computational resources. Okay, so 
He is talking about how we are currently building 5G. Again, this is from May of 2022. All right, so not long ago. And he's talking about how they're launching 5G now, but by 2030, and 2030 is a big year in all this, folks. Agenda 2030, all these 2030 sustainable goals. We've covered some of that here with Maria Albanese. But he's talking about by 2030, 6G will be rolled out. And if you remember during the Trump uh, presidency, Trump was like, 5G's awesome. We want 5G. It's incredible, unbelievable. Bring on 6G. We want 6G. And everybody laughed. They thought it was a joke, but here you go. Now you have the CEO of Nokia, this guy saying there will be a fusion of the digital and physical worlds. And now by 2030, they're going to roll out 6G. All right, let's continue. Including over-the-air interface. It's, It's a significant computing challenge to be able to transmit all those bits that the industrial metaverse will need over the air. We are going to need at least 100 times, if not 1,000 times faster faster uh, networks uh, over the uh, air. So their com- quantum computing definitely may play a significant role already in the 6G era. The question will be that there's going to be a lot of distributed computing in 6G, small cloud servers here and there and, and, and a lot of intelligence in the in the in the radio stations and radio base stations and so on that will quantum computing scale to decentralized applications as well or counter argument how long will it be relevant only for for massive centralized data centers that's something that at least to me is still still an unanswered question Okay, so what he's talking about there is these centralized data centers and then these decentralized data and all this information is going to be flying through the air and going to have to be able to be transferred around. And folks, this is probably as we dig deeper into this, and it's coming, trust me, where Starlink, Elon Musk company out of the SpaceX program uh, with the satellites being launched around the globe and all of this satellite internet going on. Uh, as they begin to sort of normalize that and desensitize people to that by having Elon Musk play the part of Tony Stark and give out his Starlink receivers to the poor people in Ukraine, or he gave them to Ron DeSantis. I know everyone's new hero, Ron DeSantis. Okay, you believe what you want to believe, you know, to each his own. But Ron DeSantis accepts all these Starlink receivers from Elon Musk. Then Musk is helping with the latest hurricane that just happened because uh, Tony Stark has to come to the rescue. Of course, Florida has survived many hurricanes without the help of Elon Musk. So that's what Pekka is talking about here where he's getting into the idea of how this data is going to be uh, passed around now he's talking about data going through the air and encryption and everything else well if we tie this into the concept of sort of the Neuralink style AI brain chip and the information that's going to be passed back and forth via our brains, brain-to-brain communication, as our buddies over in the military have been talking about on the podcast we're about to jump back into on the next segment. You know, there's going to be a lot of data floating around in the air, folks. We're basically going to be doing, you know, Apple airdrops back and forth between our heads if these guys have it correct, whether it's through a brain chip or whether it's through a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet or the uh, N-Cube program 
that we saw DARPA is working on through the Brain Initiative. Oh, there's going to be data passed around everywhere. Let me finish up right here before the break with another comment from Pekka Lundmark. Now, this made it onto social media. A lot of people have passed this around, but this is the World Economic Forum conference that it came from. So let me just show that to you. I want right, to ask so, when you all think we're going to move from this form factor to something that's on your face, glasses, and compu- when computing's all on the edge. All right. 50 seconds. Who wants to answer quickly? I think it will go. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, 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 I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. It's, it, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. And one of the... Um, let, let, let's pause that for one second, folks, because I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're saying, wait, what did he just say? So let's uh, play that again. Go. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, I, I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. It's, it, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. Okay, this is the CEO of Nokia on Nokia.com in his bio saying that he has the skills central to the transition into the fourth industrial revolution. He spoke earlier on 6G being here by 2030, and he said by the same time, the smartphone will no longer be the number one form of communication, that many of these communication devices will be built into our bodies. Did you get that? Now, I know on social media, for people that don't follow this show or don't research into depth, they automatically think, oh my God, it's a mark of the beast. It's a chip. But you guys have a solid understanding of all of the ways that these guys could put technology into our bodies and connect us up to the internet of bodies, essentially the internet of things, the internet of all things, of everything. And so you just heard it there at a World Economic Forum panel discussion. I think there's a little more. Let me just play this. And one of the um, important statements we've, I think, made at our most recent developers conference is that we believe that one of the big advantages of augmented reality is actually solving problems here on Earth. And it will be things like having glasses and being able to translate as you speak with glasses. And those are very Hol- close. Holograms, holograms will be very, very high, high, high quality in the era of six, 6G. I've already seen 5G-based hologram uh, demonstrations. They already work. But then with the next generation technology, I mean, we could be having, having this meeting so that in reality we would be sitting in different parts uh, of the world. All right. Well, I've enjoyed seeing you for the last time. I'll ever see you in person. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you next Davos. Thank you. All right. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You've got Pekka Lundmark there saying that there's going to be holograms in the world of 6G. They don't even have to be sitting in the same space anymore. That is the metaverse. Well, that's why I had the guest on yesterday, folks, because as he said, as someone who comes from live entertainment, who is a big wig in the Broadway world, he does not see people replacing um, live experiences with the metaverse. But we shall see because true 
transhumanist technocrats like Pekka Lundmark and these folks at the World, e- uh, World Economic Forum are talking about putting on the AR headsets, transferring data back and forth to each other, watching holograms instead of being there in person with other people. And as Pekka said, the smartphone will be gone by 2030 and they will implant communication technology inside of our bodies. Folks, when we get back, let's roll back into the military.com Left the Boom podcast and get back to our friends, Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Deulius, talking about the Cyborg Soldier 2050. And it all ties back into everything we just reviewed, folks. It's all one big group, all one big circle, all one big sphere of psychopathic transhumanists. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing it, folks. (laughs) Wow, this is just so much information. Uh, that is available right out there. That's why I say this is publicly sourced intelligence, folks. It really is. I mean, right now, we are pulling together everything that is out there and available to us. And we don't have to... um, we don't have to make this stuff up. We don't have to form conspiracy theories around this. This isn't even a conspiracy, folks. A conspiracy is when more than two people get together in a room in secret and they plot and they plan with the hopes of achieving a outcome that both of them will benefit from. But nothing, nothing about what these people are doing and discussing and plotting is in secret. They do it right out in the open, folks, right out in the open at the World Economic Forum, right out in the open at military.com on a podcast, Left to Boom. The government sends out its goons, and they just talk about this stuff. All of their papers are published And yes, are there things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about? Yes. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. But the stuff that we have access to is enough to make the case to regular people who don't want to have smart technology implanted in their skin, to make the case to people that don't want to end up entrapping their child, their newborn infant, in some kind of Truman show located right inside their nursery. You know, we don't want to have to interact with the hospitals if the hospitals aren't looking out for our best interest. There are people that will wake up to this information if we present it correctly. And I am going to continue to refine my style, my storytelling ability, so that I can be a better voice for this stuff to help wake people up. And that's what I hope you do 
yourself. I hope you take the information that I am giving you. You trust in me that this stuff is accurate. At least it's accurate from the standpoint that the technocrats who publish it want us to believe. And this way you can go out and wake up your friends and family to what's going on and start to encourage people to get rid of the smart tech, take off the Fitbit, don't contribute any sort of analytics to these people as little as possible, shrink your digital footprint. Uh, as Wide Awake over on Twitter would say, use cash, go analog, use cash as much as possible. I say if you can go a step further and barter with people as much as possible, even better, but go analog in the technologies that you need to use in your life. You need an alarm clock, go find an old analog one. Don't rely on your smartphone. Get the smartphone out of your bedroom. You don't know if they're listening to you. You don't know if they're pumping sound waves into your room. I mean, Dr. Charles Morgan III told us that they could use sound waves to activate diseases, you know, through cells that they put in our body one way or another, which they can do that in a million different ways. He's also said that they could write memories into our head. They could train us while we're sleeping. So get the smart tech out of the room. Don't have these devices that are connected up to the internet in your room, folks. These are just the small things we could do to avoid us all being turned into uh, cyber soldiers, (laughs) as the military would love to do. All right, we're going to jump back into this. Just a quick reminder for you folks. I'll put it up on the screen I'm not going to go into depth on this. We're listening to this podcast, which was from uh, military.com. The future U.S. military super soldier may be closer than we think. This podcast is the future of bio-enhanced super soldiers part one. It features Dr. Peter Emanuel, Ph.D. He is the senior research scientist for bioengineering at the United States Army Combat Capabilities Development Command chemical biological center that's a mouthful every time i say that and so it features him and it features diane deulius and uh, she is a senior research fellow at national defense university and her research areas focus on emerging biological technologies biodefense and preparedness for bio threats and so um, you can just Google them, Dr. Diane Deulius and Dr. Peter Emanuel, and you can find their bios if you want to know more. I've read them in full on this show on a couple separate occasions, so I don't want to do that again for the folks that have been following along, but we're going to jump right back into this. I uh, pulled this back about 30 seconds from where we ended last time, so we're going to play that, and while we do, I will put up the... Uh, original document published in 2019, Cyber Soldier uh, 2050. All right, let's pick this up here. Now this person is, in effect, a command and control person on the move. And so Mm -hmm. right now the Department of Defense is exploring operations in a multi-domain operation battle space. And that means that um, we can expect to be contested in the air, the land, the sea, and we want to dominate essentially be able to control. Now, in addition to that, we are in a more expeditionary posture, which means that we're going to be fast-moving units that may be cut off or constrained for periods of time. And so 
you're going to have a small battle group moving very fast, maybe what we call on the edge, meaning they may have intermittent loss of communication. They may not always have control of uh, the cyber. They may, And so this now individual becomes a, a command and control system organic to that expeditionary force. And that's a game changer. It's one of the technologies that's going to allow us to dominate in a multi-domain battle space. Okay, so we played that part for you in episode 49, I believe it was. It might have been 48, actually. And so what he's talking about here is the technology, uh, which is direct neural enhancement of the human brain for two-way data transfer. And so there were some major revelations that we pulled out of this uh, from the previous few minutes, and you can go back to episode 48, I believe, to listen to that if you want to know what we talked about. But Dr. Peter Emanuel, who you're listening to there, mentioned this revolutionary moment in which man and machine can communicate at a cellular level. And so he says, this is not evolutionary. This is revolutionary. And he talks about how the military is studying it and they are close to developing this technology. All right, let's continue. And it's, going to, it's one of those technologies that's going to allow us to be able to enable an expeditionary fast-moving force to, to, to have to maintain soldier lethality, maximize the protection of the unit, but really be able to operate on their own. And great potential also to impact, I think you really hit at this, the social dynamics within the military in ways that we may and may not be able to predict. So this Okay, let's pause that for a second there because they're going to get into the social dynamics and this is a very important discussion they're about to have. But just to wrap up where he left off, Dr. Peter Emanuel left off, what they're talking about is this two-way uh, brain data transfer in which soldiers can transfer data between each other's heads and then a soldier inside their own head will have access to, let's say... Um, you have a soundboard, right? Like I have a soundboard over here that runs the show. And I could have different inputs going into the soundboard. I could have my microphone. I could have a guest microphone. I can have an iPhone that I might play music off of. I can have another line connected to another phone where maybe I can have a guest call in. And so you have all these different inputs. And then through the visuals, you will have different inputs as well. So in their case, they might have video from drone A, video from drone B video from a tank, video from the helmet of another warrior, video from, I don't know, the, the sight of a gun, a, a sniper rifle. And so you as the super soldier, you that have been augmented, you that went under the knife to become a Frankenstein warrior, you have access to all these different data inputs and you can select them inside your head, similar to how you would use your iPhone or whatever and scroll up and select between apps. You would be able to pull all these different data inputs puts on command so let's say you're sitting in your house watching tv and then your wife is talking to you from the other room and then your daughter is in the other room on the phone and someone her boyfriend is on the other end of the phone and then you have your landscaper outside cutting your lawn you could say pull up wife and then only hear your wife you could say pull 
pull up daughter, only hear your daughter. You could say pull up daughter and boyfriend, and you could hear both of them talking. Or you could say listen to landscaper outside and listen to him while he's talking on his phone. So you could basically select all these inputs. And so you say to yourself, this is what the military is trying to normalize and get the public to say, yeah, this isn't bad, or at least, okay, I heard about it, I'm not going to fight it. And then they're able to start rolling this technology out. The question is, is it going to end up only being for these super soldiers? Uh, Would you allow your son or daughter to get this surgery done and have this uh, neural enhancement uh, planted inside their head if they join the military? And then when are they going to roll it out to the general public? And is this something we want to see be rolled out? Well, they're going to get into the social implications of this. It's always nice to know that the Frankenstein doctors and scientists of the technocratic transhumanist movement are looking out for the good old people here in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, as you all know. And you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold, ladies and gentlemen. We are listening to the Left of Boom podcast featuring Drs. Peter Emanuel and Diane Doulias. Never forget their names. If you see anything else pop up with these folks, feel free to send it over to me at gold at pain.tv or over to the Telegram, uh, Dustin Gold Show. All right, let me read you something from this actual Cyber Soldier 2050 document before we allow these folks to speak about the social impacts. They actually write in this document, remember, this was put together over the course of a couple years by these folks and some others, including Dr. James Giordano that we are working our way over to soon, folks, soon. But in here it says, Department of Defense personnel must conduct global assessments of societal awareness and perceptions of human-machine enhancement technologies. All right? So that is the merger of man and machine. Remember, this document came out in 2019. So they are well into the desensitization campaigns around these topics, utilizing people like Elon Musk to go out there and make it cool, using people like Joe Rogan to make it cool. It goes on to say, a generalized perception exists in the United States that our adversaries are more likely to adopt technologies that the United States populations are reluctant or unwilling to field because of ethical concerns. So let me repeat that. A generalized perception exists in the United States that our adversaries are more likely to adopt technologies that the United States populations are reluctant or unwilling to field because of ethical concerns. So what they're saying is that there's this perception that the U.S.'s enemies 
are more likely to adopt the merger of man and machine, transhumanism, than are the U.S. populations because we have ethical concerns about them. Now, there's two parts to this, folks. One is that those of us in the general public who don't want this stuff to happen, or we say this is wrong, or people like me uh, end up getting amplified and other people hear that I'm talking about this as the engineering of humanity out of existence, so they no longer want any part in this stuff because they realize this is actually mass genocide on humanity itself. So there's that part of the population. But then you have the people, and I don't know, maybe some of you are them. Look at me. I almost got involved with Artificial Intelligence Foundation, helping them build a mind twin. Okay, look how close I was when I was running around in the entertainment sector, uh, trying to make money for my comedians and my voice actors, and almost got pulled into this stuff. So they need to convince the scientists and the engineers who may not be devout technocrats, who may not want to rule over society with science and engineering, or devout transhumanists who want to gene hack and DNA splice and plant brain chips inside people's heads and eventually engineer humanity out of existence. Well, they need those people on board, the scientists, the engineers, the programmers, the machinists to build this type of technology. So they have to move the needle to a point where regular everyday folks who may not even necessarily be against this, but they don't understand it enough and they're just saying, no, I don't want to be involved with this. The people like you that I'm encouraging to tell your bosses you're not going to take part in this stuff. So they need to convince those folks that this is okay, that our adversaries are going to use this against us, and therefore we have to do it too. All right? Do you understand? That's part of what this discussion is going to be about and where we are going to move to after this podcast is done. We're going to get into part two where it's two guys from the military that are in charge of ethics involved with this. But really it's about how we're going to shift the ethical Overton window is really what we're going to do. This goes on to say, however, the attitudes of our adversaries toward these technologies have never been verified. Okay, so they're saying the attitudes of our enemies toward the technologies have never been verified. So they don't really know how the adversaries see them. It says societal apprehension following the introduction of new technologies can lead to unanticipated political barriers and slow domestic adoption irrespective of value or realistic risk, right? So society's apprehension, our unwillingness to adopt these technologies uh, as we see them be rolled out, as they try to popularize deepfake videos through the late night shows or through Bruce Willis, as we just looked at a couple of episodes ago, right? As society rejects them, what it's saying is that that can lead to an unanticipated political barrier, right? So now the politicians say battle against this, or a politician is too apprehensive to push this stuff on the campaign trail, right? Because they say it's too hot for me to handle. Uh, 
And so it slows the domestic adoption. This is what they're concerned about, irrespective of the value or realistic risk, right? So the risk of not doing it means our enemies will do it. And what's the value? Oh, everybody could run around as a cyborg. So they're trying to sell this. You could see it in their own words. It says assessment of global attitudes will predict where it may be difficult to introduce new technologies because of sociopolitical barriers to adoption and when adversarial adoption of offset technologies may likely be more readily accepted. So this is the mindset of the doctors and scientists that are working for the government to build this stuff and then force the adoption of it. So basically what that all means is we need to focus on how we are going to propagandize and brainwash the general public so that we can get society as a whole on board with it as i told you folks the normalization campaign is in full swing and there are some people that we are led to believe are our allies in this space who are just touching touching the tip of the iceberg but not really telling the full story as i am trying to do over here for you and as you guys are now totally aware of this because you're sending me relevant articles uh marketing campaigns and everything else when you see this pop up in real life and that is amazing like would you send me stuff i'm blown away i'm like oh my god this is an active audience who is engaged and they are now seeing this stuff for themselves. You arm me with information that I don't even have time to find on my own, and then I use it on the show. So we are spreading the word. This is growing, folks. But we have to be fully aware of when they are trying to propagandize us, they're trying to desensitize us to this stuff, versus when there are real influencers and investigative journalists that are actually trying to educate people on the truth showing the money behind it the government behind it and everything else all right but i wanted to read you that because it was very important and eventually we'll break this whole document down uh separate from the podcast but the podcast is a great introduction to the in-depth content which is inside the document itself all right let's continue this has come up in our conversation already the the top candidates for these enhancements may be injured or combat wounded troops who might otherwise be limited or even sidelined by their Im injuries. Can you talk a little bit more about that prediction in particular and, you know, how it might impact the way the, the military works socially? Um, well, I'll, I'll start on that one. I think with some of the other things that we've talked about, you know, with visual hearing, um, musculoskeletal kinds of things, you know, I think in many ways, again, because we've got a lot of people who've been injured and have been through all kinds of um, developments in terms of prosthesis, and people see those. You know, we see people with prosthetics all the time now. I don't think they're unusual in society, given that we've been at war for 20 years and these things are happening. So, pause, pause. Okay. You can learn a lot from listening to these people, folks, and this is why we take the time to break this stuff down in detail for you. And I generally don't like to pull clips uh, from these shows as many other um, podcasters do. 
And I take the time, and sometimes it takes multiple episodes to break this stuff down because there's so many hidden gems in here. And I also want you to hear everything in context, not just me pulling a clip out of context and playing it and saying, oh, that's it. We got them. We got them. They're going to put brain chips inside us. So, for instance, I just showed you a few clips from the World Economic Forum Conference, but we're going to go back and review the whole thing. But I showed you three important clips of uh, Pekka Lungbard or whatever, because it was important for you to understand they're talking about industrial metaverse, then they're talking about 6G, they're talking about digital twins everywhere, they're talking about the rollout of the digital and physical basically being identical, and then they talk about smartphones basically going away and implantables going in. No one has showed you the full set of thoughts coming out of Pekka the way that I showed you and the way that you can now explain that to other people. So right here, what did you just hear her say? She was talking about a 20-year war, right? We're talking about Afghanistan, Iraq, right? That we, we started under George W. Bush after 9-11. We're going to get them terrorists. We're going to get these people. We're going to pay them back. So we go to war for 20 years. We bring all these guys back with missing limbs, and then... The mad scientists over at DARPA go to work putting prosthetic limbs on these guys and then sending them out into the public. And boom, before you know it, and don't look at it necessarily through your eyes, look at it through the children, through the next generation, the ones who have to be normalized and desensitized to the merger of man and machine. So I asked you before, do we send people into war? In order to be injured, to come home and use them as guinea pigs to develop this transhumanist technology. Well, now ask yourself, do they send them to war, right? Because everything has more than one reason, right? COVID-19, the high school theater production, wasn't just about one thing. They, they get multiple wins out of something like that. It's multifaceted when they war game this stuff and they think tank it and plan it. So ask yourself now, do we send these guys to war to have their arms and legs blown off to bring them back here to attach these Terminator prosthetics to them to then send them out into the real world to desensitize people to the idea of the fusion of man and machine? It's a sick thought, ladies and gentlemen, but I've told you, you have to put your head into the mindset of these psychopathic Frankenstein doctors who are working to engineer humanity out of existence. Don't think as a normal person who has compassion and sympathy for others. Don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that way. You are a good and decent person. These people are not. They are here to build cyborg soldiers. They are here to gene edit and DNA splice and force people into a metaverse and to upload their minds into some AI hive mind that these psychopaths are going to beam down into their brains through some transcranial electronic stimulation helmet connected up to a Neuralink brain chip. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we get back, we're going to finish this up. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, here we go, folks. So I hope you had time to absorb that and think about that over the break. Diane DeUli is there, the old Frankenstein doctor, sitting there talking about the 20-year war and how we now have all of these uh, human cyborgs walking around in society with uh, prosthetic robotic arms and limbs. How convenient is it not for these people as they work forward, as they move forward into the normalization campaign? All right, let's continue. In some ways, I see that as, again, a natural, natural progression. This fourth one that we were talking about with this intensive data interface with the brain, it, it's different in that regard. Let me roll that back for a second, folks. You need to hear that again. Let's continue. Aesthetics all the time now. I don't think they're unusual in society, given that we've been at war for 20 years and these things are happening. So in some ways, I see that as, again, a natural, natural progression. Okay, so having these guys come back with missing limbs and attaching robot arms to them because of a 20-year war is just a natural progression. The natural progression of the societal awareness and perceptions of the human machine enhancement technology. Just a natural progression, folks. Totally natural. It's natural that we sent these boys and girls overseas to be uh, dismembered, to be disfigured, and then bring them home for the old Dr. Frankensteins to turn into walking, talking cyborgs. Jesus, folks. This is insanity. All right, let's continue. This fourth one that we were talking about with this intensive data interface with the brain, it's different in that regard, I think. Um, And so from a societal perspective, I think that's the one we have to think the most about. Again, as Peter said, this is a leap. This is a, this takes us to another, another level. Another thing that I think Another level, he called it a revolutionary moment in which man and machine can communicate at the cellular level. He called it a revolutionary moment. And as he did that, if you remember, I believe, episode 48, Diane DeUlius, who's speaking now, jumped in and cut him off. But he was talking about it as a revolutionary moment moment he was so excited and giddy over this all right let's continue i think is important to think about here we, we talk a little bit about it in the study which is the huge volumes of data that can be generated by technology interfacing with human beings so if you're seeing things in a different way if you're hearing things in a different way or in this in this regard of the brain machine interface there could be lots and lots of data generated by that And as we all know, folks, they love data. The technocratic transhumanists love data. We've said it here a thousand times. Yuval Noah Harari, king philosopher of the World Economic Forum, has said data is the new gold. Property was the best asset out there, but now it is data. And those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. Right? They love data, folks, because they need data to run the prison planet. That is all part of 
uh, as I've said before, that, that the silver lining is that they are a paper tiger. Their entire system, their prison planet, whether it be the prison planet they're building around us in the physical world or it be the prison planet they're building inside of the digital metaverse world, it all runs, I told you, on satellites. It will be satellites uh, on Internet, right? And it all runs on servers and it all runs on, you know, hard drives. But it also operates on data, data they need data this is what trains the artificial intelligence the brain the new god that they think they're building so just think about that all the time folks everything we do when we're interacting with technology we are serving them the data that they need to continue to program and build their new artificial god all right let's continue what do we do with that data um and and who owns that data how is that data handled if it's data about other individuals and what they're doing information that we would use in a military sense but not in a societal sense if that makes that makes any sense to you so you know if someone has an enhancement and they're walking around in society they are a data generator they are um through the use of that technology well well, let's think about this folks first off when they started rolling out the same kind of people they started rolling out the drone technology all right which had been completely completely normalized at this point right every photographer every real estate photographer every marketer now has a drone you know a really good one now you can get for a thousand dollars and so they normalized that technology uh, I know someone who is an engineer who does work at military bases, and 10, 15 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago, they had um, showed me a video, shown me a video on their iPhone they shot at a military base. They weren't supposed to have it, but it was a drone that was hovering in the sky. It looked like an eyeball, you know, hanging off of a helicopter basically and they had video of them all over the place so it was actually doing uh, surveillance i guess at this military base as they drove in and so they had never seen it before no one did and within five years they were selling you know twenty dollar drones at the gas station and every photographer now has one every real estate marketer has one and so that's a technology that became uh completely normalized and so then it started to come out in the public that they were using drone technology for all these good things they could send a drone from new york city to maryland to help in a fire rescue i don't they always had all these these stories they would put out there these different narratives it was going to come here and rescue people in a flood or something but then what happened was the drone has a camera and the camera is on so what happens to all the data that it picks up as it flies from point a to point b and so then i i haven't even followed it i would i'll probably go look into it at some point but they started talking about well once the the drone is called into mission to fly from new york city to maryland everything it collects from point a to point b can be used in criminal proceedings therefore in your backyard let's just say you have 
I don't know. Let's just say you were growing marijuana, which in most places I think you can do now. But let's say you were growing marijuana then. If the drone picked that up in its flight path from point A to point B while it's on a mission, they could later use that. The government could use that footage against you, even though you have nothing to do with what that drone, uh, what mission it was being sent on. And so now we see an article we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago in france they're now using drones in partnership with google uh through google map and google earth to fly around and scan people's backyards to see if they put in a pool or a shed or some kind of a gazebo during covid when the zoning offices were closed and then these people didn't end up paying licensing fees or a tax on their new pool And so now they're sending them out tax bills trying to collect this money that they didn't collect during COVID. So you see how far it's gone from a friend of mine 15 years ago seeing a drone hovering above a military base when no one knew what they were to the point now where they're using drones to harass people. And trust me, they'll use them in the United States too for the same thing. The IRS will probably use them, or if they're not already, to the point where they're now using them to harass people. And then... You know, they've been talking about for a couple of years now having drones deliver your pizza for DoorDash or having drones deliver your boxes for Amazon. And so what Deulius is talking about there is the data that's collected by this cyborg superhuman who owns it. Who owns the data now when they enhance their sight or enhance their sound uh, in the military and then put them back out into the real world, right? And now they're walking around collecting all this enhanced data via their uh, augmented brain and eyes and ears. It's an interesting question. So let's get into exactly what these guys' solution to this is. My solution is don't do it don't do it and as you see here they're going to freak you out and they've been doing this for the last couple of years the whole reason why elon musk and these others promote having to build super artificial intelligence is because china's going to beat us to the punch or russia's going to beat us to the punch and if they're going to do it we have to do it and we are the good guys we don't want to do it but we need to do it to protect everyone it's all in the name of national security all in the name of national defense And so this was written in 2019. This interview occurred in like 1920, okay, 2019, 2020. And so you're now two years into this since the interview took place, and you're seeing the normalization and the desensitization campaigns already running in full swing. When we get back, let's jump right back into Diane Deulius and Dr. Peter Emanuel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Not a doctor, folks. Not a doctor. But I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and this is Pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. I'm trying to make this the standard. 
in transhumanist technocracy broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. All right, folks, let's jump right back into this. Right now, we're getting into who owns the data, who owns the data that the cyborgs are collecting with all of their enhanced features as they merge man with machine. Let's continue. And when that data is used in a military sense, that's that's one thing, that's for defense. But how would that be used in a non-military uh, sense? My husband used to work as a civilian at one of those military issue warehouses aboard Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So Marines, you have to give back your body armor and your helmets and turn in your weapons at the armory. You don't get to keep any of that, but you can't just give back a bionic arm or a brain implant. So what do you do? All right, so that's Hope Hodgsek asking the question. She is the host of this show and managing editor of military.com. Let's continue. You know, it's interesting. Um, that's great, Hope. Good point. We started out to talk about where technology might be in the year 2050, and we quickly got ourselves into a lot of very interesting conversations that we didn't expect. And, and the one you bring up right there is, is one. So obviously, the, uh, the augmentation that you're going to get when, in civilian life is going to be tremendously different in, in, in the augmentation you're likely to get when you're in the Department of Defense. And Okay, so they're already talking about the augmentation of civilians and saying, you know, you uh, out there, I don't know, Billy, I don't know, Mary, whoever's out there listening, uh, the augmentation they will give you in civilian life will obviously not be as cool as the augmentation you get in military life in military life you're going to get the bionic arm that can crush a rock but in civilian life you're only going to get a bionic arm that can crush a soda can and so as they've explained in the past uh the difference between enhancement as he says would be to restore back to let's say normal or average um some capacity that you lost right so if you lost your ability to walk they'll give you a leg that helps you walk but augmentation as opposed to enhancement that's what they call that augmentation would be giving you a leg that allows you to uh kick a hole in the side of a brick wall or something like that okay giving you superhuman powers all right let's continue that capability may not necessarily allow be suitable for integration back into society, and so now you have uh, you have this situation where we have somebody separating from military service and returning and reintegrating back into society, which we want. Not only you have the question of will you be did you sign a contract that allows you to be downgraded in in speed or uh, strength and things. Okay, do you folks? I mean, when you're listening to this. Does it not sound like we're listening to a monologue in, you know, Jason Bourne, in one of the Jason Bourne movies? I mean, they literally have two doctors. This is where, again, I don't want you to become normalized to this. Just always put this into perspective. They have two doctors representing the military who work for the government, who were given money to research and write this paper cyborg soldier 2050 and they are on military.com podcast left of boom discussing whether or not ethically they can take away the superpowers 
that they gave you while you were in the military and how to integrate you, as he said, oh, we want to integrate people back into civilian life. Well, gee, I hope these people get to go back to their families. But how we're going to deal with this once they give you special powers. I mean, we're actually having this discussion. I am having to spend my time sitting here analyzing this discussion. You are listening to me analyze this discussion, but this is a real-world discussion happening that was all coming out of a paper funded by the state, the government, our government, of the people, by the people, for the people. Right? A government of we the people. Funded by them to sit there and come up with these crazy Frankenstein ideas and then have a discussion about how you ethically transition Jason Bourne back into society once you've given him superpowers. Yeah, this is actually real, folks. This is not a Black Mirror episode. This is real. All right, let's continue. I rolled it back a few seconds. Service and returning and reintegrating back into society, which we want. Not only you have the question of will you be, did you sign a contract that allows you to be downgraded in, in speed or uh, strength and things of that nature, but you know, clearly we're going to take the weapons off if that's something that was done. So that's a difficult thing. But also, um, we were also concerned even before that, Oh, good to know. Good to know. If they implant a rocket launcher inside of your brain, they're going to take those weapons off. So listen, military guys, if you sign up to support and defend the Constitution of the United States from enemies, foreign and domestic, and these guys send you into the battlefield and have your arm blown off, and then you come back and they implant a bionic flamethrower arm on you, you're going to have to turn that back in. You're not going to be able to go home to your wife with the bionic flamethrower arm. You know, just sorry to inform you, you know, you signed a non-disclosure agreement, you can't talk about it. And you also signed the document saying you'd return the flamethrower arm. All right. Well, that's good to know. I feel better about this. What happens if they genetically modify these guys into the Incredible Hulk or Wolverine? I mean, how do they give that back? I don't know. Maybe they'll discuss it. Is to, now we have this integration for the first time of, of enhanced individuals that are operating at a performance that's above me. And now there's one person in a military unit and, and he's just a super and, or she can see and do these things that none of the other people can. So what does that do to unit cohesion? Um, or what does that do? What if that person is so, so impactful and useful that they're like, look, we can't promote you because you're just so crucial. Mm -hmm. um, you knew when you were augmented that we needed you in the front lines. And that person's like, I don't want to be in, the, in, 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 in a forward position anymore. And so, really, the first questions that the DOD has to answer that... Okay, let, let's pause that for a second. I mean, this sounds like some discussion going on, seriously, in a sixth grade chemistry class or a philosophy class, which I don't even think they have that anymore. But th th these guys are saying, okay, so the implications of turning someone into uh, Wolverine 
are, uh, well, we gave him special powers, and now how is the rest of his unit going to look at him? When he's Wolverine and they're just normal, are they going to follow him into battle? Or, well, we can't promote you to a general now, because when you sign the agreement to be augmented and turned into a Marvel superhero, you knew that you were going to have to be on the front line swinging those Wolverine blades around. I mean, this is a serious discussion going on inside of the military, folks. And let me just present this to you because I've talked about the normalization of this a few times. This document, the Cyber Soldier 2050 document, is not a secret. It's unclassified. They put this out into the public space. And then this podcast we're listening to is not some something I hacked. No, this is available to the public. This in of itself is part of the normalization of the technology because it's being discussed. And that's why I have to keep saying to you here, I don't want to be part of that. I am not paid by the government. I am not some shill for these people. I am trying to show you the realities of what's happening so that you are armed with this information to bring back to your friends and family and to teach your children and grandchildren about the world that we're living in and where it's going and how to try to escape it and avoid it. And maybe one day there'll be a revolution that stops it. But this in of itself is part of the desensitization to it. All right, let's continue. Many other agencies might not is, how do we integrate these, these technologies into our population? How does that augmented population then integrate into the overall general force? And then how do those people then separate and reintegrate into the society at large? And so... so- do you hear this? Folks, did you hear that? I'm going to roll that back for you. That is important stuff right there. Let's continue. Position anymore. And so really the first questions that the DOD has to answer that many other agencies might not is, how do we integrate these, these technologies into our population? How does that... How do we integrate these technologies into our population? How do we integrate these technologies into our population? You just heard him say it. They're going to integrate this stuff into the population. How are they going to do it? If they're addressing how they're going to do it, they've already decided they're going to do it. Now it's just a matter of how they're going to do it. And that's why I read to you this piece about the uh, societal awareness coming out of this document. All right, let's continue. Augmented population then integrate into the overall general force and then how do those people then separate and reintegrate into the society at large? And so some of Right. So they're talking about these augmented cyber soldiers, these cyborgs integrating back into the public, how this is all going to happen. All right. The conversations were very obvious, like I told you, but then we started to have some questions like, what if they're like, no, I don't want to, I want my brain interface. It's inside my head. And then that person five years later, goes to the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas and wants to go into the Blackjack area. Like, I'm sorry, sir. Talk about card counting. They- okay, okay. So make a big joke about it. But they're sitting there saying, if you took a guy, a warrior, a fighter, and you put this augmented brain chip inside his head, 
And now he has the ability to, let's say, count cards. So now he goes to the Bellagio and he's going to cheat. How could that be allowed? Dude, how about the problem is you? Okay, the problem is not going to be the guy who can now count cards. The problem is you, the people developing this, the people researching it, the people engineering it. It's all of you Frankenstein monsters, you scientists and engineer, crazy transhumanist technocrats. You are the problem. So when we break this down, as I've talked about on the show, problem, reaction, solution. So they're creating a problem, putting a brain chip in someone. Then this, they're out there now provoking the reaction. They want that from the society, which is, wait a second. How the heck could uh, this guy be allowed to uh, count cards? I can't count cards. No, he could count cards. And then the solution will be whatever it is they're going to offer. And whatever they're going to offer is always going to be more technology that's going to create more problems. More problems. And so I'm telling you where they're going with this so that you know and you're ready for this on the next episode. All right? Are you ready? The problem is we're going to give this superhuman technology to the warrior. The reaction is, they just set it up for you. The reaction is, that's not fair. He could go count cards at the Bellagio. And then the solution is, don't worry. We're going to give it to everyone. Are you ready for that, folks? Are you ready for that? Because that is what we are going to get into on the next episode. Problem, reaction, solution. Give it to the warrior. It's not fair. Don't worry. We're going to give it to everyone. Everyone will become a cyborg soldier. And this is going to happen well before 2050, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard from the CEO of Nokia sitting at the World Economic Forum, that they will put smartphone implantable technology into your body by 2030. At the same time, they're rolling out 6G, which is all connected in to Elon Musk, SpaceX, Starlink satellite program folks do you see all the pieces coming together we've talked about the so-called private sector now the military the government the investors the mad scientists the big thinkers the world economic forum the bankers we've got them all involved with this this is one giant operation and they are leading us towards the extinction of humanity but the first step the bridge to get there is the fusion of man and machine ladies and gentlemen when we get back on the next episode we are getting into the problem reaction solution where the military wants to offer this to every single one of us i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.